I want to see you, Jesus, move in power and cast out fear. I need to hear you now. I need to know it's you. I'm standing on your promises. I know your word is true. You're bigger than what I see. It's you in exchange for me. Because even the impossible can be reality. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. I want to say what you're saying. Speaking life to what is dead. And I want to cling to you, Jesus. Hanging on your every breath. I need to hear you now. I need to know it's you. I'm standing on your promises. I know your words are true. You're bigger than what I see, that it's you in exchange for me. Because even the impossible is your reality. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. So let your kingdom come and let your I need to know it's you. I'm standing on your promises. I know your word is true. You're bigger than what I see. It's you in exchange for me. Because even the impossible is your reality. I need to hear you now. I need to know it's you. I'm standing on your promises. I know your words are true. You're bigger than what I see. It's you in exchange for me. Because even the impossible is your reality. God, even the impossible is your reality. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief, God. Jesus, I believe. 
Amen. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. I'm so thankful that we can, I can, you can, if you're a preacher, preach the Word of God. You're preaching life to that which is dead. And I'm not saying you're dead today, but every one of us, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. The Word of God was opened. When I sing that song and I hear those words, that's what I'm hearing as I sing that, as I preach the Word of God. You can preach something that brings people to life. You can share something that brings people to life. You can share the gospel of Jesus Christ that folks can be saved. As I sing that song, I think about heaven too. I think about God's will being done here on earth as it is in heaven, yes. But I also think about the fact that one day in heaven, we're going to have all what God has promised for us. And I'm so thankful for the blessed promises we find in the word of God. And I truly want for God to work in my life. I, I want to have faith. But we need God to help us with our faith. God needs to strengthen our faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is something that God gives to us. And I'm asking that God would allow our faith to grow today. And I'd like to encourage for your faith that you would ask God your faith to grow. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we'll be reading here in just a moment, beginning in verse number 2. Before we get into the preaching of God's word, I I mentioned just this morning at 10 o'clock in our our Bible study hour, but I believe the reason we came together today, yes, was to lift up the name of the Lord, yes, for God to be glorified, for us to be reminded of God, of who he is, what he's done, the songs we sing, bring our hearts together closer to him and thinking about how he is, who he is, what he has done for us to adore him. The time that we pray, we go to God and ask him to meet with us. I believe God is here with us right now. I believe the Holy Spirit of God is here. He wants to speak to your heart. And I believe that there is a message God has for each and every one of us here today. I don't think it's an accident we're here. I believe it's on purpose. We came here with the purpose being that God wants to speak to our hearts and being that we want for God to be glorified and pleased with our life. We come together as a body of believers to be able to lift up the name of the Lord, to edify one another, to encourage, strengthen. But we also come together that God would speak to our hearts. God wants to speak to you today. The question is, do you want to hear it? The question is, are you ready? Are you listening? Do you have ears to hear what God has for you today? And I'm going to open in a word of prayer. And I would just invite you. Would you ask God to speak to your heart this morning through the preaching? Would you ask God to help me to know exactly what to say that you need to hear today? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for the songs we've been able to lift up. And Lord, the fact that we can live by faith, not live by sight. Lord, I'm so thankful today that we can trust in you. You'll never fail us. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, I'm thankful that there was a day that was appointed that you came in a specific time, the right moment, Lord, that you came and were born and you lived a life of perfection we could not live and you died in our place. But Lord, I'm thankful you didn't stay in that grave, but you rose again the third day victorious. And because of your victory, Lord, we can have victory. 
And Lord, I'm so thankful that it can be well with our soul. We can have peace. And Lord, knowing that we're on our way to heaven, knowing that you'll never leave us. And Lord, I pray that today that we would desire your strength and your peace, your power in our life. Lord, that we would take the step required to achieve that, to, to grow, to be more like your son. Lord, speak to our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, I preached a message about putting God first in 2022. It's a very familiar theme we talk about at the beginning of the year, but once again, just a, a challenge to us to put God first in our life. And one of the things we talked about was removing those roadblocks that get between us and God that would cause us to not be close to Him, near Him as He wants us to be, as we should want to be getting rid of those things that come between us and Him. And we talked about that. We talked about how God wants us to get to know Him and understand Him. How God wants us to have a personal, near, close relationship with Him. That's why we get rid of the roadblocks. But in doing that, we, have to, we learn that we have to pray and we have to get into the Word of God. And remember we talked about the love letter that God has given to us and reading the Word of God and, and, and wanting to be closer to Him. And then we talked about how God wants us to, to be able to distinguish what God is doing in this world as opposed to what the devil is doing, and then choose his side and, and do what he wants us to do. But in order for us to be able to distinguish the two, we have to get closer to God and a closer relationship with him. We have to get into the word of God so we know what is right and what is wrong, what God's will is and what, what God wants us to do. All of those things have to happen in order for us to put God first in 2022. And so I'm going to ask you the question now. That was a few weeks ago. Are you closer to God now than you were then? How is it going for you in your life? Are you growing? And if we're not growing, then we're stagnant. If we're stagnant, there's something wrong in our growth. So I want to challenge you with that today. And the question that I'm going to ask you is, are you like the paralyzed man? We're going to look at a man in the Bible that's paralyzed. And a vivid picture of what it means to be paralyzed and what happens and see if there's any similarities that we would see in our own life that would identify maybe something God wants us to see today in our own life. And so I want us to look at this. And before we do that, let me ask you this question. Does God ever ask foolish questions? All right, let me ask it again. And if you, if you have an answer, I want you to say it. Does God ever ask foolish questions? No. I don't think any time in my life God has ever asked a foolish question. And because I know God, I know he never would. So we all can agree on that. So, as we approach the Scripture, as we look at this verses of Scripture today, we're going to see about this man, impotent man, he's paralytic, he is paralyzed. He is asked a question by Jesus Christ, which on the surface, it looks like a dumb question. But it's not, because God doesn't ask dumb questions. It's a, it's a question that should grab right to the soul of a person. It's a question that all of us need to ask ourselves today as well. Here's a man that's in, 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 I mean, he is in a bad shape. Here's a man. I want you to kind of picture it with me. And uh, there we see, not far from the Temple Mount, if you have ever been to Israel and you've been to Jerusalem and you go up on the Temple Mount and you come down, there's a place that's the back entrance and back off the back side of the Temple Mount. And you come around and you get into this place where it goes around into this walkway and then it opens up. And there, there's, there's now churches that are there, but it's right there. By, by the pool that's right there, and there's a pool that they've excavate, excavated, and they've found this place that we're going to be reading about today. It's right by the Sheep Gate, and there's this pool that has five porches. 
And we see here that we're told about that there are those that would get around that pool there in Jesus' day, and it had been going on for some time. They would get around that pool, and we're told that there would be an angel that would visit that pool once a year and stir the water. The first one that would get down into that water would be healed. We see that if you go back and look at what's going on here and the kind of the backstory of what we're going to read here in just a moment. But then we're introduced to this man that is impotent, this man that is a paralytic man who has been there 38 years. Imagine that. 38 years, this man, he, he is paralyzed. This man is laying there. This man is waiting for that once a year. This man is, is, is wanting to get down inside that water. At least that's what we'd see on face value. But here he is. And now Jesus comes to him. And he says, do you want to be made whole? Now put yourself in the position, think about that for a moment. That sounds like a really bad question. Are you kidding me? You're asking me if I want to be made whole? If, you, if I want to be well, if I want to be healed, if I want to get rid of this paralysis that I have? You're asking me? Well, what's the answer? Let's going to look at it. Let's see what the answer is. It's interesting we see this. Look there if you would. Look at verse number 2, John 5. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind halt withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? There's the question. Verse 7, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now we're going to stop there for a moment. And I have to be honest with you. Well, I'm going to be honest with you all the time, but I'm going to say something from my, <laughs> my perspective. When I've looked at this passage of Scripture in the past, many times I've looked at it and I've thought about, okay, you could preach a message about this as there was nobody there to help the man to get healing. It's a good soul winning message. You could talk about that. Is that the right application? There's people that are hurting that need help. And there's good application to that. But is that what's really going on here? As I look at this, I'm looking at it from a little bit different perspective today. Jesus asks him a question that's an interesting question. It's an obvious answer to, you would think, right? And so I want to delve into that a little bit. I want us to just delve into it. We're going to look at real simple three points today. It's going to be a really simple message. But I'll tell you this. I believe that God wants to speak to your heart, and I believe God will challenge us through this message. I really do. And the first question is this, or the first point I want to make, is I believe that the paralytic man had no intentions of changing, just like many other church members come year after year with no intention of changing. I believe this paralytic man had no intention of changing. Look at the facts. He's laying there. He's by the pool of water. Why hadn't he already gotten help? 38 years laying there, year after year. Someone beats you to the pool. You remain paralytic. 
38 years. Don't you think that you would change your strategy because you're doing what you're doing is not working? What you're doing again and again and again and again is not working? Don't you think you're going to change what you're doing? Maybe move closer to the pool so all that you must do is simply fall into the pool when the water is stirred or have someone push you into the pool when the water is stirred? Maybe you need to appeal to the others that are at the pool to let you go first. You've been there the longest, I mean, or perhaps one of the longest. Maybe you could ask some relatives to, to take turns staying with you so that you get to the pool first after the water is stirred. Hmm. But we're not told the man did anything about his situation other than that he was near the pool. And Jesus' question confirms that he did nothing. Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to get well? Do you want, why would he ask that question? The question implies, why haven't you done something about your situation? But you know, people today are not much different than this paralytic man, than this man that was impotent, this man that had this paralyzed condition. I mean, you think about it. Let me just give you a couple of examples. And, and by the way, when I give these examples, there's always fingers pointing back at the preacher, so don't get mad at me. I'm not being the judge today, but what I am saying is, I have seen in my life, I've seen in my ministry, I've seen as being a pastor, there are a lot of people that say they want healing, but they never take the step to get healed. They'll hang out by the pool, but they'll never get into the pool. People come from marriage counseling. I tell them what they need to hear from the Word of God. This is the final authority. We agree upon that right at the very first meeting. Listen, if you're meeting with me and you're looking for some help that's outside of what the Word of God says, I can't help you. But if you agree that this is the final authority, then I can help you. Because it's not me doing the help. It's the Word of God. It's God doing the work in your life. People will come for a couple of weeks. And they won't do anything. They won't change anything. They won't listen to the Word of God. A couple of weeks pass by, they've done nothing to change it. Next thing I hear, they stop coming. Next thing I hear is, the counseling doesn't work. I've actually heard that. Your counseling doesn't work. I'll be honest with you, another guy in there said, that's just a saying, all right? One thing I said, while I was, on our, our, I was away with my wife and we were having a wonderful time of celebrating our 30-year anniversary one of our conversations was, you know, Charity, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to open my heart up to you. You know, Charity, I don't know if I want to counsel anymore. When I counsel people, all they do is get angry because it doesn't work. I'm just being honest. It's frustrating. <clears throat> I, I share with them the word. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. God's, I mean... God covers me, and, and there's so much that God, uh, I'm so thankful that who I am that God would even use me. But you share the word of God, and people don't listen, and people say then that the counseling was bad, and it's like, maybe they should just go see a professional. Huh. Of course, you know how wives do, don't you? Can you imagine what my wife said to me, don't you? Yeah, but you're a pastor, and that's what you have to do. It's part of your job. You have to help people to see the word of God. She gave me the right advice. Praise God for a godly wife. Because there's times you get discouraged. You do. We all do. Nothing new. It's not, I'm not saying we just talked about it at 10 o'clock hours. We all feel times. But you know what is really challenging is that there's people that say they want to grow and they have the opportunity right there if they would just simply do what the Word of God says and year after year they stay in the, they stay in the exact same condition. No change. No change. You know, there's people who come to church week after week and their life is a total mess. 
each Wednesday night and Sunday morning. You hear from God's Word uh, and a practical message of how to correct your life situation, but you do nothing about what you've heard. You come one way and you leave exactly the same. You never apply what the Word of God says. You never, uh, you never do what God's Word is preaching or saying to your heart. I'm not saying what the man says. I'm saying what the Word of God says. And you, you, you go and you, you might even, after, every now and then, you might even walk up to the preacher. That was a good message. And that's encouraging. I will tell you it is. But it's not a good message if all we do is leave the same way. You say, man, this is a really strong, hard message. Well, you know what? There's times we all need hard preaching. There's times we all need to, I mean, we need to stop and say, okay, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I growing? Is God first in my life? Do I want God to work in my life? Do I want the power of God in my life? Do I want to see souls saved? Do I want to see growth? How are these people? How are we any different from the paralytic man if that's all we do? Come to church. You hear some words. You go home the exact same way. People sitting so close to the living water which can heal their life and they do nothing. Yes, Jesus has every right to ask them, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want healing? You want to have my power in your life? You want to feel my presence? He knows what's really going on in our hearts. Let's be honest with one another. For some God, people, God is first in their life. And for others, God is not first in their life because they have no intention of changing anything in their life. They're going to go through the motions. They're going to go through the steps. They're going to go through all of that. And they're going to find themselves in all kinds of problems and difficulties. And then you know what they're going to do? God, why? Why have I not seen somebody get saved as a result of me being a child of God? By the way, that should just be a common thing. If I'm a child of God, there should be fruit. You all agree with me or not? If you're a child of God, there ought to be fruit. Why isn't there? God, why am I struggling in my marriage? God, why am I struggling in this situation? God, why does it feel like when I pray, my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Why does it feel like you're so far away? Why, God? We ask why. And yet the answer is right there before us. We We don't open the Word of God and read it as we should. When God does speak to us, we have such a hard heart, there's no... No moving it. There's no changing it. Wish to God that God would break our hearts. That He would then put them together the way He sees fit. We become so callous. No change. Something's wrong. Wilt thou be made whole? Secondly, There's a genuine difference between waiting for God to act in your life and making excuses about why you aren't moving forward. 
You know, the paralytic man, he could say to us, well, man, look how patiently I've been waiting my turn for all these years. I've been by the water. I've been waiting all these years. And you'd think, boy, that guy, man, he is a spiritual guy. He's been waiting patiently all these years. What a spiritual man. Look how patient he is. I couldn't do that, God. But you know what? That's not what he was doing. Jesus' question, do you want to be made whole? It brought out the real reason that he was still in his condition, paralyzed. It was not because he was spiritually waiting on the Lord, but rather he had an excuse as to why he was not moving forward. Look at verse 7. Notice it. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And I'm telling you, I've read that so many times and thought to myself, oh, how sad. And yeah, it is sad. But why? Why was there no man? And I know a little bit of a stretch here, but there's, there's so much truth to this. Just like the paralytic man, we frame ourselves as being spiritual when in actuality, all we are doing is making an excuse as to why we're not moving forward. I heard about a preacher. He went to seminary and you know, Bible college learning about how to be a pastor. And while he was there, this was not, the, by the way, the Bible college that I went to. It was another person I read about. They went to this Bible college, and while he was there, many of the students, you know what they would say? I'm not going to go to church on Sunday because we learn about Jesus every other day of the week. And there's going to come a time when I'm going to have to be in church on Sunday all the time. I hope that makes you upset. I hope that bothers you. And then the Holy Spirit speaks. Okay, so what is there in my life that I rationalize away? that I know I'm supposed to do or not to do? What in my life do I rationalize away because I do this over here? Well, God would understand that. It's like I heard one preacher say, well, I don't need to tithe because I'm the pastor and the pastor doesn't need to tithe because he's giving of his entire life. Yeah. You see, people like that, they give the impression that they're spiritual, but all they're doing is making an excuse not to to do what they're supposed to do. Not to go to church on Sunday. Not to be in church when the doors are open. Not to be a soul winner. Not to do what God has called you to do. You know, I love when someone comes to me and they say, I have a burden. Man, I have a burden to teach. I'd like to teach children or whatever it is. You can just fill in the blank. I have a burden to do this, a burden to that. Whatever ministry you want to, put, want to say. But really what is difficult is when a person says, but you know what, I'm not quite ready yet. Um, you know, I don't want to teach until God has taught me a whole bunch more things so I can then be able to teach. I, I'm, you know, I'm willing to do that, but not yet, God. You understand what I'm saying? Now, there is obviously a proper course that has to be gone through in order to be a teacher here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. There are steps to go through, but I'm talking about people that have had the gift of teaching, people that perhaps have taught in other places, or God has called them, and there's no doubt God's put a burden in their heart, but they say, I'm not ready yet, God. I'm not going to do it, God. Are you waiting on God? Are you making an excuse? Are you waiting on God? Or are you just making an excuse? People will say to me, well, I want to help support the church financially, and I'm going to do that as soon as my bills are all paid off, all my debt's gone. I'm going to really give to the church. 
Are you being spiritual, saying you want to support the church, or are you making an excuse why you can't give? I think we know the answer to the questions, don't we? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? You see, we need to look at our life. Are you framing something as being spiritual, but when you break it down, it's nothing more than an excuse not to move forward with God. It's nothing more than an excuse to stay in the place that you're at, where you're in that rut, where you're comfortable, and everything's just fine, you think. And everybody, hey, I'm, just, I'm good. But you're not growing. You're not growing closer to God. You're not becoming more like Christ. You're not being what God wants you to be. You're not doing what God wants you to do. Thirdly, there's a genuine difference between God owes me this and I am so thankful that God has done this for me. There's a genuine difference between God owes me this or being thankful that God has done this for me. Let's look at the paralytic man's attitude after he got healed. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I see a little bit different angle on this now. First of all, there was not even a thank you. You don't see it here. We see it many other times. We see it in other places. We see others that were thankful, but he doesn't even say thank you. The scripture says he just got up and walked. Now that's good. He obeyed. That was good. We're not told of any expression of thanksgiving, though, he gave. I know he didn't, uh, he, he, he did what Jesus told him to do. He, he, he did exactly as he said, get up and walk. Look at verse number nine. And immediately the man was made whole and he took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was a Sabbath. We know he got up his feet, didn't say thank you. You know, if somebody healed me from being 38 years paralyzed, I think I would say thank you. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like, I mean, just fall down at his feet and I mean, just say thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, you think about that. We have to put ourselves, put yourself there. 38 years paralyzed. And he says, take up your bed and walk. <laughs> Look at Acts and see what happened when Peter, there he heals this man that's by the temple. He, he, he gets up and he's jumping and leaping and praising God. We sing songs about it. No songs written about this guy. Think about that. He just gets up and walks. Next, we're told the paralytic man didn't have a clue as to who even healed him. I mean, wouldn't you want to know who it was that just healed you if he just healed you? Come on now. I'd say, who are you? Look at verse number 10. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Oh, they're so spiritual. Verse 11. He answered them, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. He's blaming Jesus. Then asked they him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a, uh, a multitude being in that place. Okay, so Jesus took himself away. He did not know who it was. Once again, if someone had done this, would you not be asking somebody, who was that? I'm sure there were people there that knew it was Jesus. You all, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, let's just jump forward. Jump forward. I looked at a parallel of this. It's not parallel of the exact thing, but a different situation and a healing. Look, at, look if you would, at chapter 9. Just, just compare the two. I did this because as I'm studying this, I'm like, okay, what, were there other times that were similar to this? Well, here's a similar, very similar situation here. Chapter 9, look at verse 1. And Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did the sin, this man or his parents? Okay, I'm going to jump past that. Jump down if you would. Um, 
Verse number six, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of uh, Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go into the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought uh, to the, they brought to the Pharisees him that after aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay. See the comparison? And opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay on mine eyes, and I washed and, and, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He saith unto him, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or, how, or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. Talk to him. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he is the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. They were afraid to say the truth. Verse 23, therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. That's why they did it. Verse 24, then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that is that. Whereas I was blind, now I see. That is simple faith, folks. Look at verse 26. Then said they to him, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will you also be his disciples if I tell you this? Are you going to follow him like I'm his disciple? You see what's happening here. He is already a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is already not ashamed of Jesus Christ. He is already taking a stand for Jesus Christ. He is already showing thankfulness for what Christ has done. We can keep reading and keep going. But I'm trying to make the distinction here. And the, the problem is, here is this man that you would think that he would give some thanks and he would find out who Jesus is. Let's go back now. Go back to chapter 5. And notice finally the paralytic man turns Jesus into the Jewish leaders. Totally different situation. Look at verse 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Hmm. Sin no more. Interesting. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. They were interrogating him and saying, Who was it that did this miracle to you? I don't know. No thankfulness. And they said, he must not be of God. He has to be, I mean, he must be from the devil because he did, he broke the Sabbath. 
He did something that you should never do on the Sabbath. Who cares about the fact this man was 38 years paralyzed and this guy is healed now? The people in the church, they divided over it. They got upset. They weren't, they weren't as concerned about this man's well-being as they were about keeping a ritual. May we never be there, folks. Jesus goes and tells him now who he is, and what does he do? He departs and tells the Jews it was Jesus. You know, he had to go out of his way to do that. They didn't drag him back in. He went back to them. He tells them it was Jesus that healed him. They already questioned him. He didn't have to go back to them. The paralytic man did did not have a bit of thankfulness in his heart for what God had done for him. Why am I saying all of that? Let's bring it all together now. I want you to listen now. God will never be first in your life if you cannot be thankful for what he has done for you. What has God done for us? We talk about, I can't believe this man that was paralyzed for 38 years would not get down on the feet of Jesus and thank him. When was the last time that you got on your knees and thank God for what he's done for you? It's the last time we wept tears. Last time we, we, we weren't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation. Why, why are we so ashamed to tell others we're a child of God? I'll tell you, if we were so thankful, we'd be telling everybody we could. We're all guilty of it, folks. God will never be first in our life if you can't be thankful for what he's done for you. Are we thankful? We're too afraid about what people think. He's more worried about what the Jewish leaders thought and the fact that Jesus healed him. Yes, this message, this passage of Scripture, it it challenges us. Some questions. Do I really want to change and live my life for God? Do you? Don't answer it to me. Answer it to God. And by the way, words are cheap, man. Show it with your life. Choices you make. Do I really want to change and live my life for God? And by the way, that change is a matter of making a choice of believing God and trusting God and doing what His Word says. And He does the transformation from the inside out. But you've got to make a choice. Do I really want to change and live my life for God? Another question. Do I say I want to change but make excuses as to why I can't? You'll find every excuse that you want to not do what God wants you to do. You're going to find an excuse every time there's a service. You're going to find an excuse every time there's a a person you can witness to and you won't. You're going to find an excuse when you're supposed to be reading the Bible and you don't. When you're supposed to be praying and you don't. You're going to find an excuse for anything you want. You can excuse away why you're not the husband God wants you to be, the wife God wants you to be, the young person God. We can go right down the line. We can excuse away anything we want. The devil's sure to give you all kinds of excuses you can use. remember learning a song in high school. I might not get all the words right. Excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. The devil helps supply them if from church you'll stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep those folks away from church, he offers them excuses. I remember that song, and then there's verses that talk about the excuses that people use. And I'm, it's, it's funny, right? And yet it's sad, because it's so true. We all use it. 
Do I say I want to change but make excuses why I can't? And then the last question is this. Do I act thankful to God if he does something to change me? When God starts working in your life, God changes you. I'll tell you the biggest change that will ever take place is if you trust in Christ as your Savior. It's not just a ticket out of hell, folks. It's a relationship. It's knowing that you're on your way to heaven, yes, and knowing God. And it's having that relationship. It's growing in that relationship. It's a love relationship. Am I thankful for it? So what's the answer? What are we going to do? Making excuses? Ah, 38 years. Been saved a long time, yet I've never led a soul to Christ. I've been saved a long time, yet I've never been involved in a ministry God wants me to be involved with. What are we doing? Saved a long time, yet I don't read the Word of God. Don't pray. choice is ours. God's not going to make you. But I can tell you what, the benefits of making the right choice is a wonderful thing to have a close relationship with God. To have the Word of God building your faith and the strength and being able to, to go through the day knowing that God is in control and that God gives you verses and God helps you get through that challenging time. To know that you're doing what is right and to have that beautiful relationship with God. I can tell you it's worth it when you lead a soul to Christ. Somebody that was lost and on their way to hell and you share with them how God loved you, how God saved you and what God has done for you. And you want this too. It's the best thing that will ever happen to you. And they come to know Christ as their Savior. What a joy it is. It's worth it. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you. We were lost, undone, blind spiritually, dead in our trespasses and sin, deserving your condemnation, being condemned for our sin, deserving separation from you ever, forever in hell. We're sinners. We fall short of your glory. And yet you saw us in that place, in that condition. You saw us with your loving eyes. You saw us in that need. And you were willing to pay the price to make it possible for us to have forgiveness, to make it possible to be no longer under condemnation, to be set free, to no longer to have to pay our sin debt. But Lord, that we've been redeemed. We've been justified. Forgiven. Lord, I'm so thankful for your saving grace. But Lord, I thank you for your sustaining grace as well. That we can grow grow every day, become more and more like Christ, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, I pray you challenge our hearts that we would stop making excuses. Lord, that we would stop standing in place. Lord, that we would go forward and that we would grow. We'd 
have your power in this place. We'd see souls saved. True revival. Challenge our hearts, Lord. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Do you know Christ? Do you know him as your personal savior? You were lost. God came into your life. The word of God was shared with you and you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal savior, believing that he died for you on Calvary's cross and he rose again the third day and by faith you trusted in him. You've been born again and you know you're on your way to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high and say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless me. Put your hands down. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a testimony. What a privilege to know. God wants you to know today. God wants you to have that peace. You're here this morning. You say, preacher, I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. God wants you to know. Could I pray for you today? I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you, but I will pray for you. You're here today. You say, preacher, I don't know for sure. I'm going to heaven with heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you just slip your hand up? Say, I don't have that peace. I don't know. I don't know. Christian, do you really want to change? Do you really want to live for God? Would you make a commitment? Would you give your heart to the Lord? Would you thank Him? Would you worship Him with your life? Be a witness. Did you read his word? Is God speaking to your heart today? Are you growing? If not, why not? Are you leading people to Christ? If not, why not? Would you just say, Lord, I give you my life. Lord, I want you to be glorified. No more excuses. I give thanks. God, you've been there for me. You saved me. I'm on the way to heaven. But Lord, you have me here for a purpose. Lord, be glorified in my life. Wilt thou be made whole? Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. May we choose. No matter what all of us are choosing today, every person here, we're making a choice to stay the same, status quo, hard heart, or to listen to your Holy Spirit and obey your voice, or to keep on serving, keep on moving forward, keep on growing. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Is God speaking to your heart this morning? I'd invite you to come to this altar. Would you say, Lord, I want to grow. Lord, I want to see people's lives changed because of your work in me. Lord, I want to be involved in ministry. Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to know you more. Wilt thou be made whole? You're hurt, you're broken. Why don't you try it God's way? 
Why don't you make a commitment that God's word is the final authority for your life? Lord, I'm going to do it your way. Why don't you come and thank him? Let's thank him for what he's done for us. The altar is open. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The piano is playing. Won't you respond?